velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this of McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max and Jomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans. Plugging the boys in blue, black, and white. We are back from our summer hibernation, and what a summer it's been. A summer of Earps, of Stokes, of Alcaraz, of the Lord's Long Room, of a Saudi exodus and a turbulent time at Twickenham. Also a summer where we lost London Irish and are down to a 10-team league. That club rugby is nearly back. The Premiership Rugby Cup is just 10 days away, and it won't be followed too far long by the Gallagher Premiership. To talk all things blue, black and white ahead of the most anticipated season of a generation, I am absolutely delighted to be once again joined for our sixth season at the Bath Rugby Plug by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Some introduction that, mate, to the to the season. Um, six times we've had a go at that and I think that's the best <laughs> of the lot. It's, um, yeah, a pleasure to be back with you as ever um, in person mm. um, with a mixture of of the usual nervous excitement, but also a, a sense of dread um, in there as well before we go into the new season and the World Cup in just over a week's time. Yeah, a really exciting time to be a Bath fan. It might be a bit more exciting if we were maybe Scottish or Irish fans as well, because England have been absolutely dismal. But the World Cup and Premiership Rugby isn't too far away. And as you say, Tom, doing these in person now, the summer was full of sport, but also moves for both of us. And we do now actually live together and so yeah plenty more bath chats and hopefully these in person and added quality with that can't wait mate can't wait what we kind of plan for today then tom is kind of give a bit of a news refresh after the summer that has been touch on any bits that we weren't able to cover towards the back end of last season talk about some squads some coaching updates and and kind of look at those areas as a whole and, and give some thoughts ahead of this new season We'll talk briefly about the World Cup, focusing on the impact that will have on our squad and on our start to the season. Maybe throw a little prediction out at that. Before talking generally about the um, Bath season, throw some predictions out there for, for where we think we might finish and, and kind of some of the big, the big players for us this season. Um, before looking ahead to the first stage of the Premiership Rugby Cup, where we play three fixtures, and then we'll be back and then we'll talk about the, the kind of higher profile Premiership Rugby Cup fixtures in our next podcast, which will be focusing on the Thampton Saints and Exeter Chiefs. So that's what we're aiming to do. It's great to have you along for the ride, listeners. Thank you for joining us for our sixth season. Can't quite believe we've got this far. Um, so thank you for all of your support with that. Six and out, mate. Six and out. <laughs> yeah, maybe it will be, but... Um, Yeah, really looking forward to it. So um, hit subscribe. We are back now with regular podcasts. 
Uh, and as always, please do spread the word because this is going to be an exciting season for Bath. We are still the Bath Rugby Plug brought to you by Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers. We've managed to keep the contract going over the summer. Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers, of course, as many of you regular listeners will know, are the outdoor events company run by Bath Rugby's very own hooker and clubman of the year, Tom Dunn. Top try scorer of the year as well. Yeah, many things. Colleague, as always, Tom Dunn. So, yeah, check out his Instagram for more details there. Um, And also watch this space for a few more different elements to that partnership, which hopefully we will be rolling out throughout the season. So, yeah, really excited to to have Danny on board. and, And thanks again for your support. A bit of a monologue for me, Tom, to get us off and running. Um, so let's kind of bring you in here as we as we turn towards some news that has happened since our last podcast at the end of May. Um, and let's kind of try and tie that into the squad confirmation that was released by Bath for the 2023-2024 season. And I guess kind of the biggest piece of news was a lever. Um, It was announced earlier in the summer that Jonathan Joseph would be leaving the club after 10 seasons, 176 appearances, 41 tries, an England and a Lion, Players Player of the Year in 2015 for the league as a whole. A blue, black and white legend who probably saw that the time was was maybe right for him to leave and he's... um, off to experience a completely new adventure in Biarritz. Yeah, it was a, a shame, wasn't it, that he didn't get the, mm. the, the, the you know the send off in that last game against Saracens, which is such a dramatic game, pipping Bristol to to the post in the in, in the top eight and getting revenge of sorts against against Saracens following the the defeat the year before. I think that was a shame, but I think in general it's as you alluded to the right decision for club and for player as well you know Jonathan Joseph is or and, and was for Bath he's probably one of the best players to pull on the blue black and white mm. in his pomp there were times particularly during 13 14 15 when he was unplayable you know that hitch kick going on the outside um, making defenses look silly and also defensively I think one of the best 13s that we've seen in in this country for for a long long time very very underrated I think we've not seen more than flashes of that from him probably since that point. And in a salary cap era, um, you know, I think he's probably not proven his value over the last few seasons. But I think now he's gone and he's exploring new pastures in Biarritz, as you say, we can enjoy those those great moments. And, and they really were great. And, you know, we've only had eight Lions tourists in this mm. century for Bath. And he was one of them. So... He is going to go down as as as, as one of the Bath greats, and um, yeah, wish him all the very best. I mentioned the eight Lions tourists. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna, I was having a look through these, and I was gonna stick you on the on the spot, G, keep you on the toes. Are you very well prepared for this podcast as ever? But do you um, do you fancy having a, a little go at any of the other seven tourists since the the turn of the century? Um, okay, this is massively on the spot, but, <laughs> but let's get it cracking. I think Underhill. Underhill's not been on the lines. Oh, wow. Watson? Yep. Lee Mears? Good shout. Matt Stevens? Good shout again. <clears throat> Ford? Ford's not a Lance tourist. Russell? 
He's not on this list. That's a fair point. I, th- I don't think we can claim him quite yet. Carl Eastland? Nope. <clears throat> Getting a, a, one of the only uh, two times Lions Torres. Stringer? Nope. I mean, he's definitely a Lions Torres. <laughs> he is not on this list. I may be starting to question some of the names <laughs> on this list. Any Toluque Falatel mm. is one you, you didn't mention. Matt Perry, Ian Bolshaw, and Danny Grucock. So, yeah, maybe Finn Russell should count, and as should Peter Stringer. But, um, yeah. One of the few that have got to the very top of British mm. rugby. Yeah, potentially Lions whilst playing for Bath is, is probably the, yeah. The, the, yeah. the key factor there. But absolutely, JJ was was a brilliant... Yeah, sorry, one at the club, quite right. Still is a, a brilliant player. Um, not at the level he was, and I think it's right for, for him to move on. And, and he's certainly out of, of that England reckoning. So, yeah, absolutely best of luck to JJ and, and, and thank you for some of those those great moments, in particular that, that 2015 season will always spring to mind with, with that generation of, of players, um, of Stringer, of Ford, of Eastman, of JJ, of Banners, of Rocco and of Watson. And now they've all left. And it really is kind mm. of the turning of turning over of that era. The last page of that chapter. The last page of that chapter, exactly, which um, was was the most pro- prolific and exciting backline I, I ever watched for Bath. Um, and yeah, so best of luck to JJ. We've hit point one, Tom, and we're sort of 10 minutes into this podcast, <laughs> so let's try and keep rolling. Um, a couple of other bits of news around players staying at the club, which we weren't able to cover at the end of last season. I'll start, first of all, with someone staying for the whole season. That's G.J. Van Veltzer, um, the lock forward. Had a huge influence, I think, on the back end of last season. And, and with that area in mind, I think this is a really important um, signing from that point of view. Absolutely, yeah. We heard from J.P. Ferreira when he came on the podcast that G.J. Van Veltzer kind of came in and took ownership of the, the line-out of it. You know, he's mm. an extremely experienced player. I think he was captain at Worcester Warriors for something like seven or eight seasons. Mm. So he's really... <clears throat> been there and done it from a leadership perspective and I think he kind of playing out of position in second row rather than number eight where he's played most of his rugby I think he was really really good for us um, particularly in that area and I think low key you know that's not going to make the headlines like your you know your Finn Russells but I think low key that is a really really good bit of business particularly as you know we'll get into the squad as I think that's an area where we need some some bolstering. Mm. Tom Dunn's comments, I was listening back to the, the end of season podcast we did with Tom Dunn, uh, and he spoke about just how important it was for him to have the relationship with an experienced lineup caller and how that was massively influential in our success at the end of the season in the lineup when we went on that run of 20 points from 20. In a similar vein, Fergus Lee Warner is staying at Bath on a short-term deal until the end of November. He has signed to go back to Australia. Their season doesn't start until December time. So Lee Warner will be around for the start of the season, probably with um, kind of a mind to to getting through that period when when the World Cup is on and, and, and those guys are coming back from from the World Cup. Nobody else, though, Tom. That was kind of the only ins we saw. Mikey Summerfield joined as a academy prop from London Irish, but no major names. Did that surprise you? Um, not really. When I look at the ins and outs across the league, I think that's kind of the sort of profile that, that we've seen. I mean, outside of those guys you mentioned, we brought in Finn Russell and Thomas the Toy mm. for the season. That is it. And when you look at the guys that have gone... 
I think there's something of the order of 15 players that have either been released, gone to other clubs, or retired in the case of, of Dave Atwood. So in terms of the level of experience in the squad, that has certainly gone down. There's no doubt about that. We have promoted a number of academy players, and we can come on to talk about those guys. And I think we're also going to lean more closely on our academy prospects. It's interesting that when the club announced their full squad, instead of just announcing the senior squad as they would do and then the academy squad separately, they announced the senior squad, the academy players, and also the Bath University scholars as well. So padding the rafters a little bit there, but I think that speaks to probably what we will see, particularly at the start of the season during these um, during during the Premiership Rugby Cup games. Yeah, it's been a real squeeze of that kind of middle, I guess, of yeah. Premiership of Premiership squads, um, and kind of trying to fit in some big names, but also being mindful of the salary cap and trying to then supplement those bigger names with some some younger and, and, and let's face it cheaper contracted guys and, and that's been kind of made even more so by the, the loss of now three clubs in, in Worcester, Wasps and London Irish. So disappointing for, for those guys. But yeah, I, I think I, I, I kind of was expecting maybe a little bit more. You know, if we turn now to, to maybe looking at the squad as a whole and I, I am a little bit concerned about the, the, the second row depth. So, you know, We've got Fergus Lee Warner till November. That aside then, it's Charlie Yules, Josh McNally, Ewan Richards and Quinn Rue. You know, there's been some injuries in and around those guys and, and they've not always been available. And, and with the, the rate at which we're going to have to play Premiership and European games from October once the Premiership, once the Rugby World Cup finishes, I'm just slightly concerned and, and was surprised that maybe a little bit more depth wasn't added in that area. I agree, and I think that speaks to the two signings that we've, we've spoken about. G.J. Mm. Van Belzer, I think they would have been desperate to get someone who is credible at second row of the line. And then even that extension of a half or so of the mm. season to, to Lee Warner. Albeit, that will only give us him for about six weeks of premiership rugby, yeah. that starting in the middle of middle of October. You're absolutely right. Yours, McNally and Quinn Rue, two of those guys had serious injuries last season. Don't even know if Quinn Rue will be available for the, the start of the season. Mm. Charlie Yules, we didn't even see last season. And then Ewan Richards, a guy that was breakthrough player of the year the season before last, but hasn't been able to get a look in with, with Johan van Graan. So it's an interesting department. I think the other thing I'd say is, in seasons gone by, we've kind of had these hybrid 5-6 players that we've been able to, to bring in. So you think of guys like Mike Williams, Tom Ellis, guys that were able to play second row. You know, you look at our back department now, really the only guy that could come in to play in the second row would be Ted Hill. And I think we'd lose quite a lot from what we get from him in the back row. So, yeah, it does look it does look a little bit light in in, in that department. Maybe they're, they'll still look to add mid-season, um, particularly if there's, there, there are injuries. But um, I agree, out of all the areas, that's probably where where we could be a little bit, a little bit, um, a little bit deep, a little bit shallow, sorry. You can let it go, Tom. Tom Ellis is not a lock and was never a lock. We don't have to worry about that conversation anymore. That might be an area of weakness. Is there any particular area of strength that you've highlighted uh, for the for the squad for this upcoming season? I think, yeah, the obvious one is, is the back row. We mm. are embarrassing, I think, when you look at the strength of, of the back row. I think looking through the teams in the league, we've, we've got to have the strongest two back rows that we can put up. So if you think about... 
a first choice of Ted Hill, Sam Underhill, and <laughs> Alfie Barbary, and then your second choice of Josh Bayliss, Chris Clerter, and Miles Reed, and that's putting Jacques Kutsia out of the equation. But you know, I, I couldn't really leave out one of those three guys. So that's seven back rows there who are serious, serious operators. Um, and you know, there are good guys as well coming through in behind them. So I think. Yeah, that's a, it, it almost looks like we've spent the money there and not in other places. I think that's a little bit of a function of what happened with with, um, with, with, with Worcester and Wasps with us bringing in Ted Hill and Alfie Barbary. I'm not sure it would have sat like that without that. Mm. But again, those are like two good opportunities, two good opportunities to, to turn down. But likewise, a lot of these guys have had injuries in the past um, and are coming off the back of injuries. And it's always nice to have depth in that, in that area. Mm-hmm. So I agree that the back row... Depth at the moment looks really strong mm. starting off at the season. Um, but yeah, it, 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 we haven't seen Barbary, Kutsia, um or Underhill at, at stages of, of last season. So yeah, excited for what that, that, that displays on, on paper. I, I think that would be the area as well that, that I would highlight as, as, a, as a massive strength um, if, if all of those guys kind of stay fit. Um, just a couple of small other points on the squad, and I think it's to your point around the academy and the reliance on that, on those on those players and some younger players perhaps this season. So Hooker only really for two first choice senior hookers in Tom Dunn and in Narlinet. So it's going to come down to one of the other younger guys, Jasper Spandler perhaps, to come through when an injury inevitably occurs at some point this season, and also then at um, scrum half, it's almost exactly the same situation with Ben Spencer, a standout, Louis Schroeder, a more than capable backup. But then is it Tom Carr-Smith or someone else that fills into that role when, when we inevitably need that filling? So I think those two areas are really reliant on, on two guys. And, yeah. and, and, and if there are injuries, it's going to be interesting to see that, that next wave of player come through. And hence the promotions from the academy. You know, mm. Tom, Tom Carr-Smith, end of last season, promoted from the academy to, to the senior squad, likewise for, for John Stewart at Hooker. So that is, yeah. with that squad depth in mind, and also with the salary cap in mind, obviously getting the academy credits uh, back on that on that money. So, yeah. Mm. Let's look at the, the coaching setup then heading into the new season. A couple of bits of news that have broken since we last Recorded, And that's two more additions to Johan van Gran's coaching staff. The first of which, I'm not going to lie, absolutely shook me. I thought it was a joke. I thought that can't be that Andy Robinson. But it turns out it is that Andy Robinson. The Andy Robinson who took Bath to their first and only European win 25 years ago. That coached England, that coached Scotland, that coached Romania. He's back in the blue, black and white as head academy coach. He will also be head coach of the club for the early stages Mm -hmm. of the Premiership Rugby Cup in those first three games when it's likely to be more of the academy boys coming through and playing. Um, And it turns out uh, he had been a consultant for Bath during the latter part of last season. I don't know about you, Tom, but I was shocked to see this um, and still can't quite believe it. Yes, it's, it's a strange one. I think, yeah, a couple of things. It seems very strange that a guy with his experience and having held some of the senior posts that he had would want to be head academy coach. And it seems reporting into Craig Lilly, who's who's head of academy. So very much taking a more 
junior role. I, I, I would say that it's not the first time that we've seen kind of this, uh, uh, shall we say, favourable uh, look at giving jobs to ex Legends. <laughs> I mean, we saw, we saw, and I'm, I'm not. We still want to keep that relationship with the club. <laughs> so that was really well. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that these guys weren't 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 worth it, but you know, you, Joe Maddock wasn't around for too long. Luke Charteris, we you particularly have, have questioned <laughs> in the past. You under the bus. So it does seem a little bit like jobs for the boys. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm aware that he he lives in in Bath as well so it might be something just to just to supplement the the pension and at the same time get his wide range of expertise on 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 our younger players but I'll tell you what it also shows on the positive side that Jürgen van Graan has a hell of a lot of confidence in what he's trying to do and 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 his leadership he isn't concerned one bit that a senior voice like Andy Robinson will come in and detract from from what he's trying to do can you imagine a situation where Stuart Hooper for example, would have appointed Andy Robinson. I think that would have probably completely undermined what 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 he is trying to do. So, yeah, a bit of a, a bit a bit of a strange one. It's gonna be weird seeing him him out there with the coaching kit on, um, leading us through the Premiership Rugby Cup. But but there we go. Yes, it is bizarre. But yeah, he was obviously involved at the end of last season and. That was a successful period, so hopefully that can carry through. He is a head academy coach, and this did make me laugh. And and this is this is the way that things are now worded and set up in coaching setups always amuses me. He's a head academy coach. Craig Lilly is head of academy, yeah, and then Mark Lilly is lead academy coach, and under them are four more academy coaches. I mean, what the difference between those three job titles is, I have got absolutely no idea, but we've got a stacked academy coaching setup, and hopefully that will be reflected in the quality of the academy players coming through. I'm sure there'll be plenty of good line-out jumpers. Now Luke Charteris is down in that area. The other addition to Johan van Graan's coaching setup was Stevie Scott. He will join as the scrum coach, Quite frankly, know a lot less about him than we do about Andy Robinson, yeah. but plenty of experience with Edinburgh, Scotland and Sale in an area I know you particularly focus on. So looking forward to getting your views on on that appointment. Yeah, well, clearly a, an, a, an important area. And I think there's some very exciting guys that he's going to be able to work with. Will Stewart, Ben Urbano, and also Thomas Detroit, who I am very excited to see. I know you saw him doing some live training and were impressed by the the sheer size of the man. So mm. I'm sure Stevie Scott's going to be pleased to be be working with those guys. Not a guy I've heard of at all or, or, or come across at all, as you say, most of his experience up in in Scotland. I'll tell you two facts about him, though. He's known as the Bull, and on Twitter <laughs> he refers to himself as a set-piece consultant, <laughs> which I think is a pretty cool job title. So if he can get those players to... To, to become to, to channel the inner bull, then I think we'll 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 all be happy. Yeah, he almost looks a little bit like a cross between Henry Thomas and Lee Mears as well. Two Bath legends <laughs> in the front row, so hopefully you can combine some of that expertise. And yeah, that's a key area as we know, and, and there are some real boys in and amongst that front row. So looking forward to seeing what he does with those guys, those two coaches, then Scott and Robinson. Would you not say Russell Crowe? Would you not say a slight? I know you like uh, to refer to yourself as a bit of a Russell Crowe. I think he's <laughs> a, he's certainly got more of the Russell Crowe 
beard about him and um, and some of the weathered look. We've spoken about recording and maybe putting some of these podcasts out in video form. So when we try and get around to doing that, I think people are going to be shocked at the, the Russell Crowe comparison. Maybe modern day Russell Crowe for myself. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been very quiet on social media. So how about I post a split screen of yourself and Stevie Scott and we, we put it to the vote of the listener. Who is, who is the real Russell Crowe? <laughs> Stevie Scott, not myself, will be joining Johan Van Graan's coaching setup which will consist of Lee Blackett, Richard Blaze, John Callard, as referenced, (laughs) JP Ferreira, Andy Robinson, and Stevie Scott. That seems to me like a really, really exciting coaching setup. Blackett, um, in particular, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how he gets that back line moving. These guys will be slightly hampered by the Rugby World Cup, which of course starts in around about 10 days' time. We have had some players called up to the squad, probably not as many as we anticipated. So in the England Rugby World Cup squad is Will Stewart and Ollie Lawrence. In the Scotland squad, we have Cameron Redpath and Finn Russell. So no Underhill, no Benno, no Detroit, no Bayliss, no Big Joe, no Tom Dunn. Quite surprising lack of Bath representation, do you think? I think so. And a couple more there. Ben Spencer and Rory McConaughey also involved in mm. the respective England and, and Scotland squads um, in the lead-up to, to the World Cup. So that's nine extra players, so 13 possibles. Admittedly, most of those would have been fringe. And we only lose four out of a possible 13, which out of a squad of 43 players is pretty significant. And it's always this weird dilemma isn't it this club country dilemma obviously you want to see these players and Tom Dunn is is, is front and centre of my mind when I say this on the biggest <laughs> stage earning the big bucks which you know he may or may not pass on with, with England <laughs> but also you know selfishly you want to see them turning out for Bath I, I as I know you are a club before country so I was a little bit surprised, I think particularly when I look at someone like Tom Dunn, I look at the England hookers, and I look at someone like Sam Underhill, and I look at some of the inexperienced guys that made it further than him in in the squads. But at the same time, I'm um, pleased that unlike in seasons gone by, we are going to be relatively unaffected. We are going to be relatively unaffected, and hopefully those boys that have gone can come back in this case of the Scottish lads, nice and early, and in case of the English lads, nice and fit. Well, I mean, you look, you look at it, and I, I was at the Fiji game, and we could easily meet Fiji in the in the quarterfinals. There's a chance that we lose to Samoa and Argentina and and don't make it out of our, our group game, our last group game, which finished on the 7th of October, prior to the start of the Premiership rugby season. Scotland as well, they're in a group with New Zealand, sorry, with South Africa and with, with Ireland. I think there's a good chance they've got a, an upset on them with, with Finn Russell obviously pulling those strings as he does. But there's a good chance that they'll be out at the end of the first week of October. So I'm assuming these guys, particularly the English guys, will have some kind of mandated yeah. rest period agreed with the RFU and their infinite wisdom. But I think we could even have those four players back relatively soon, which in the case of, of Finn Russell, I think would get everyone everyone licking their lips. Yeah, the England form is, is absolutely dismal, isn't it? Like you were at that Fiji game, as you say, and it's just been really, really disheartening going into this this Rugby World Cup to see how badly they're playing. And I think 
I spoke on the podcast previously about how the, the, the draw is favourable and, and we really should get to the semi-final stage. And then once you get to the semi-final stage, it's two weekends of rugby and potentially we can get hot and maybe go all the way. That was a really optimistic view. At this point, as you say, it's looking likely that we might struggle to get out the group and then it's going to be a tough quarter-final game against whoever that is yeah. from, from the other group. And there's this kind of similarities in a way with how we've spoken about Bath in, in, in seasons gone by. You know, there are world-class players in that England squad. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's a, it's a relatively similar squad to the, the World Cup finalists of four years ago. But I, I do not think I've ever seen a team fail to push on over a World Cup cycle so much when they have the, the talent and the, the promise that, that they show. There are so many players that have gone backwards. And that the, the problem with the, the Fiji game, really, was that it wasn't as if we even just had a shocker and made loads of mistakes and had, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a kind of um, a miracle and upset. We just got outplayed by a better side in most facets of the game. Mm. And at home, prior to a World Cup, if that's not a, a concern, what is? And, you know, wouldn't it be great? We, 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 you know, there's other podcasts that will talk about this for much longer than we will, but rugby's in a difficult spot at the moment with financial woes, with... The, the amateur, the, the grassroots game getting no support from the RFU and tackle rules changing for, for leagues that aren't kind of right at the right at the top. You've then got obviously related stuff with 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 concussion. Wouldn't it be great if we had a fantastic in, uh, international team that could kind of get a bit of positivity back into the game? But as it is, we 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 certainly don't. So yeah, it could be a tough few weeks, but but if you've if we've learned one thing, being being Bath fans, we, we we're not going to give up hope quite yet. Not going to give up hope, and and you know there is still that easier route to the semi final, and, and maybe they can start to to build something. But they just look so devoid of of any sort of positive or plan that is complementary to any of the players that that they've got, yeah. and they just look frankly really poorly coached tired and without a plan and yeah it's extremely disheartening and then and then all the other you're right all the other crap really that is all going on with rugby at the moment and, and you go on to twitter and there's a few times that I have over the summer and it's it's such a place of negativity mm. which when we lose three premiership clubs last season there's so much doubt about the future of the premiership it's just completely the opposite vibe that people should be portraying um and yeah so fingers crossed this world cup can and have a positive impact yeah. on that. And then turning it back to Bath for a minute, we don't want to labour this this point, but we have lost three Premiership teams for related but different financial reasons. And we're going to this season with a lot of positivity with a £950,000 marquee signing in, in, in Finn Russell. But at the same time, just because we have strong financial backers, it doesn't mean that we're completely safe. You know, the the economy facing a pretty difficult 18, 24 months plus ahead. Chickens are coming home to roost with all the free money that was pumped into people's pockets and companies' balance sheets during during COVID. So higher interest rates means being as indebted as clubs in the premiership are is very, very difficult to, 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 to operate like that sustainably. Bath have on the, I was having a little look through some of the latest set of accounts to you. You know, I, I like to entertain myself <laughs> on a on a, where are we, on a Wednesday afternoon. And we've still got in the order of 20 to 30 million pounds of debt that is due over the next 12 months or so. You know, Dyson's a tech company as our main sponsor. 
they will have really struggled in terms of their their valuations for the last last 12 months or so. So anyway, not to go on about this point, but we're not probably a million miles away and it would only take Bruce Craig to lose a bit of faith, James Dyson to lose a bit of faith for the, the house of cards to come mm. come tumbling down and can you imagine if it did? We've just got to we've just got to hope that those those guys continue to back the club and we have a sustainable plan in in, in place because yeah, the the league and rugby's facing mm. some existential threats. Yeah, well, we want to put some some clips of the podcast maybe on social media. I think we've just found our our little clip for this week with with that. But two friends on there. No, but you are absolutely right, and I think to try and turn that a little bit positive. That is the state of affairs amongst most rugby clubs in the league. And we just need to try and enjoy this season. Just go into it with a positive mindset. Enjoy the rugby. Watch as much rugby as mm-hmm. possible. Get behind the boys as much as you possibly can. With that in mind, let's look ahead to Bart's season 2023-2024 with, with that kind of context and the squad and the players in mind. This is such a massive season Bath. Second season of Johan van Graan. Last season almost felt a little bit like a mulligan, particularly at the start. It was an opportunity for him to have a look at the squad, have a look at the players, the coaches, see what he liked, see what he didn't like. And then he had the backing of Craig and of, of, of the, yeah. the, the CEO and everyone to try and turn that around and implement his own players and his own coaches. So for me, this is a massive season in that context for, for Johan Van Graan. Yeah, the train leaves the, the first stop now mm. and the guardrails are off a little bit. And there is expectation, and mm. rightly so. We've got a, we've been very positive on um, parts of the, the playing group, and particularly the signings that he has made. And we've been very, very positive on the, 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 the coaching setup that he has he's, he's put in place. But words and CVs aren't quite enough. We, we want to see it in... In, in action, just looking ahead at what our fixture list looks like over the course of, of the year, it's quite incredible, really. I mean, you talk about the World Cup having a, a, an impact on bunching fixtures together. We've got this Premiership Rugby Cup block in September. Newcastle is our first Premiership game at home on the 14th of October. And that starts a run of 16 straight weekends of rugby <laughs> across the Premiership and Champions Cup. No Prem Rugby Cup in there ending on the weekend of the 27th of January. And at that point, we will have played 12 of our 20 Premiership games and we will know you know, what our European future looks like, whether we're top four through to the next 16 or fifth and dropping down to the Challenge Cup or sixth and dropping out altogether. So that period up until you know the end of January is really what's going to determine whether we can move up and try and contend with the, the, the top teams in the league or whether it's going to be another season of what-ifs and inconsistency and ultimately disappointment. It's a, it's a very, very um, front-loaded, intense season that we've got coming up. It is, and, and with, with that in mind, I think one key for me this season is how the players and the, the coaches are able to harness the back end of last season, mm. the, the consistency in selection, the quality of the play, the performances and the results, 20 points from the last 20 to sneak into the top eight. How can you harness that through the Premiership Rugby Cup, which is going to be a completely different set of players, into the latter part of the Premiership Rugby Cup when you start to infiltrate players back into the start of the Premiership and then that crazy run of fixtures 
whilst also adding in new elements, key new elements in Finn Russell and potentially Thomas Detroit, who have been away potentially with international sides for that period. Mm. How can they take what they had and then just build it whilst adding in those different elements is going to be the key to, to success, particularly at the start of our season. I know when we spoke to Tom Dunn, he was confident that they would be able to yeah. to keep that positive feeling going. But I think it's just so, so difficult. I mean, that's, that feels like age ago. There's one less team in the bloody league when he said that. And I don't doubt that, that Dunny believes that and the players believe that. But I do think that is so, so difficult to keep that going, especially when you start again with a completely different set of players in that Premiership Rugby Cup. So that's yeah, going to be absolutely pivotal. It is, it is. And they're going to have had a long pre-season. You know, they're going to treat some of these Premiership Rugby Cups as kind of semi-pre-season. They then go to Edinburgh for a pre-season game at the, I think the first week of, of October before then kicking off. And you mentioned the last four games of the season. One thing that we spoke about at that point as being absolutely key was being able to have some consistency in the mm. players you were selecting in your first 15. In those last four games of the season, we selected between 17 players to make our 15. So very, very minimal changes. And I think we saw the fruits of that coming together with cohesion and continuity and players communicating and just working well in the combinations that they were getting used to rather than chopping and changing every week and, and all of a sudden having to, having to start from, from scratch. So in the context of what I spoke about with the 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 whatever it is, fourteen games on the on the trot up until the end of January, in the context of squads being tight and players coming back from heavy workload at the, the World Cup, managing players' workloads in match days and in training is going to be absolutely key. And we've spoken about the coaches, I think the medical guys, the strength and conditioning guys are almost as important in, in that regard because I think that will be, again, something we look back on and, you know at the end of January and say, were we able to keep players fit? Were mm. we able to, to, to select similar teams? And how many of those players in those key areas, so front five and scrum half and, and ten, and, and so front five and half-backs, how many of those guys are we able to keep fit mm. and playing regularly in those combinations? Yeah. Those areas are key to have combinations. And then how effective is it when we rotate yeah. in other players because we're going to absolutely have to do that yeah. if we're playing 16 premiership games on the bounce that's going to be absolutely pivotal and yeah that will kind of determine the state of the season I think one other thing we we absolutely have to talk about is Finn Russell because he is going to have a massive impact on this Bath season when he comes into it how quickly he can put his impact on how he gels with Spencer how he gels with Lawrence and Jomo, whoever's going to be playing at 12, Red Path, how he gels with Lee Backett, that whole piece is going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk at length, I'm sure, throughout the season when we do see him at whatever point in October or or, or early November. I'm so excited to, mm. to see him play. I tell you what, I mentioned I was at the Fiji game. I then piled into the cabbage patch to, to watch... Scotland played Georgia, and it was only Georgia, but they found them a bit tricky to work out. They were very strong up front in the early part of that game. And then Russell just had a couple of moments where he just, from nothing, created a try with a pack that was going backwards at scrum time, struggling to, to find their, their line-outs. And I think if, as you say, he can get working well with those combinations and, and, and get things kicking, I think 
he really could be a player that we look back on as, as a bit of a Bath legend. That all said, <laughs> I am on the bandwagon, I will say that, but key to that is making sure that he has a platform to do so and it all starts up front. And I think, actually, we've recruited quite well in, in the front row, hookers a little bit, um, a little bit like with those two guys. I think our, our lineup for props is looking pretty good. Second row, we've mentioned, is a bit of a concern. So can we give him the platform he wants and as you say can he can he get working with with those key players and coaches that he needs to yeah I, I I'm on the Finn Russell bandwagon I would like to put that on record as we kick off the 2023-2024 season I'm absolutely however. not getting left behind however the more important signings to Bath's successful season will prove to be the fitness and ability of Thomas Latoit and the fitness and carrying ability of Alfie Barbary they are the key and Russell, Russell was a fantastic signing, but we need to make sure those guys stay fit and we need to make sure those guys have a positive influence on, on the game. You, you look at South Africa, Ireland, these teams at the top of the international stage and mm. it's built up front, absolutely. And, and Johan van Graan knows that and wants to do that. And we've made signings there. They are, there is strength there. But it just needs to come together. It does, and everything, as I said, everything starts up front. You need the ball carriers, you need the set piece, you need to win your territory, you need to kick well. But you look at guys like Marcus Smith, George Ford, what they've done in the Prem. If you can get that platform, it doesn't preclude mm. you from showing the Sardis outside. And there are many ways to win the game of rugby. Um, Yeoman Grand shown us what his preference is, but I think Finn Russell, under a, a similar coach in Greg Townsend, who does focus and who hates Finn Russell, who does prefer to win games up front, I think has shown us what what he can do. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've I'm glad you've joined me in the front row of the bandwagon. <laughs> Absolutely I'm there and I'm sure many listeners are there as well. When he pulls on that lovely Castor blue, black and white <laughs> shirt for the first time, I'm sure it agree will be on this, absolutely yeah. exciting to watch. The next section, Tom, is the predictions section. But it's almost a little bit, yeah. It's almost a little bit, um, sort of null and void. I read, listen back, as I said, to the the end of season podcast we did at the end of 2022, 23, and I highlighted some of the chronological things that happened, and it just showed the ridiculous nature of the Premiership last season. And I think it would be pretty foolish to go ahead and try and predict some things, but. We like being relatively foolish on this podcast and, and it's pretty fun as well. So let's try and predict a few things. And the first thing we really need to talk about and predict is who's going to be Bath captain this year. It's the 30th of August mm. and I don't think we really know who's going to be captain. Well, do we know? I don't think we know. I've been scouring through the, the pre-season clips that Bath have been putting out on, on YouTube and I always like to see who's talking in the team model and who's who's calling the shots at training and it, it, it does seem to be Ben Spencer from everything I can see. Obviously you do get different leaders who talk at, at different times. For me, I do think it will be Ben Spencer and I definitely think that it should be. Twofold. I think, first of all, to go back to Charlie Yules, who was obviously captain prior to last season, no matter how good a leader he might be and how calm a head on, on, on the shoulders he, he might be, 
I think psychologically it will always, or not always, but it will for the time being be associated by players and fans as kind of central and synonymous to that Hooper era, which was so unsuccessful. And he was on the pitch for that Gloucester game, for that Saracens game, when we were mm-hmm. as on our knees as fans for, you know, for, during that time. And secondly, I think that, you know, the old kind of adage that your captain has to get into your team regularly, you know, in that first 15. I think Charlie Ewells will, but I wouldn't say that he's guaranteed to be first name on the team sheet. And we don't even know whether he'll be able to, you know, keep himself fit and how he's going to be. He's had a very serious injury and he's played very minimal rugby. So I don't want to see a situation that they have with Matt Garvey when they made him club captain, but then he couldn't get into the into the side or was, was injured. So Spencer, I think he did a phenomenal job as, as, as captain last season. I think he's arguably, with that squad, probably the first name on the team sheet or there or thereabouts. And I think his natural style, in terms of leadership and in terms of the way he plays the game, I think complements Jermaine Grants very well. So for me, uh, it's it's a, a bit of a no-brainer. But as you say, it's not been announced. So maybe the coaches don't feel the same. I agree with everything you said. I believe it absolutely should be... Ben Spencer. It needs to be someone who is leading from the front on the pitch and Spencer did that and, and can continue to do that. But I think it's weird that it's not been announced Yeah. and I'm assuming at the moment it's yours and if we hear nothing it will be yours because Spencer was confirmed as a one-year club captain. It's not been announced that he's continuing that role and it's not been announced that yours isn't continuing that role. So perhaps more to come or perhaps it will just Seamlessly slip back into to Charlie Yours' team. We shall see. Who starts in the front row, if all fit? Another prediction for you. Um, I think that's a luxury that if we have that selection dilemma, I will be very, very happy. I think Thomas Detoy, whilst he plays both sides, I think he's six foot three or, or even slightly taller. That's very, very difficult to play as loose head prop in that department when you're, you're that tall only really Andrew Sheridan was able to to do that with the angle that you have to get and the way you have to put your left foot forward to get in in position however due to him just being an absolute freak of nature he's, he's able to so I think he will probably primarily be on on the tired side so you'd have to say Ben Urbano and Tom Dunn I think if both fit you've got to at least uh, to start off with give the shirt to the man who's had it for the last couple of seasons and done a phenomenal job moving through the, the team and getting up for to be probably first choice for England. So you'd probably say Will Stewart to start with. Um, but I don't think that's too big of an issue, to be honest. We live in an era now where front rows rotate quite readily. And I think that is that is what we'll that is what we'll see. Um, we've also got some decent guys. We've actually got a bit of depth in that department now. So Kieran Burden um, Johannes Jonker and a, um, a guy called Archie Griffin, who is listed as a Wales under twenty tight head at six foot three and one hundred and twenty four kilos. So if that is the case, that's an exciting prospect. And then Jeran Schumann and Arthur Caldwell, who on the loose head side are solid prospects. And I was looking at some of the front rows in other teams, and actually we we're boasting a, a decent amount of of depth there. So yeah, very long rambly answer. You knew you were going to get that from me. <laughs> um, but I'd, I think you've got to start off with, with, 
with the guys on the show from last season. They did a great job when they were all together. And that combination as well of all three of them. Tom Dunn said that those three have hit thousands and thousands of scrums together. And I think you're right. It would be very difficult, at least initially, to go away from that. Particularly if, with a much taller man going in. It changed quite a lot of the timing mm-hmm. and the binds and all that. It was an earful fit. It would yeah. be a luxury there. Exactly. That would be absolutely fantastic to have maybe a few names to keep an eye on this season, Tom. Tom Carr-Smith, as I've mentioned, I think is a name mm. that we might see a little bit more. What have you, uh, what have you made of him when you've seen him uh, in, what's he got, probably early double-digit appearances now? Yeah, I would say at best um, kind of premiership appearances. Yeah, he looks to be, I would say, more in the mould of a Ben Spencer um, scrum half on, on the, the small parts I've seen of him less kind of sniping and then a threat from the base but I think more of a, a, a kind of steady pair of hands and, and an effective box kicker so less of your Max Green and maybe more of your, your Ben Spencer Peter Stringer style but he's so inexperienced that that, that might just be him easing into to premiership life I, I, I think they really like him he's been in and around the, the squad academy and senior squad now for two or three seasons, um, he's kind of bypassed a couple of guys that I really rated, in particular Max Green. So there is promise there, and I think he will be battling Schroeder for that kind of number 21-22 shirt um, come the end of the season. So, yeah, a, a name to watch from me there. Any any from you? Well, the big names, obviously, we've spoken about Finn Russell, Alfie Barbary, Ted Hill, I think, is going to have a fantastic season and build on what he did particularly for the second half of mm. last season. Younger guys, I'd probably mention. So I think Ewan Richards mm. has got a real part to play this season for the reasons we've spoken about. And I think he's a, a very, very talented player. Another guy that we see a lot of on on, on the various um, news that the club puts out, because he's been very involved with England at times, is Sam Harris. A guy mm. that we've, I don't think, seen turn out a senior appearance yet. I might be wrong with that at the Premiership Rugby Cup, but I, I think he was away on England duty during that period last season. Guy that can play fly half centre and fullback and looks like a, a tall, rangy, I would say Freddie Stewart kind of star runner, but he's not doing a lot of that at the moment. So yeah, Sam Harris, another guy coming through to watch out for. And then one other guy that I have to mention, having been absolutely gutted last season when he picked up that season-ending injury, and that is the horse, Will Muir, I'm looking forward to seeing him back out on the wing, galloping um, through the fields where he belongs. Yeah, plenty of points actually to pick up on that. I think Sam Harris is an interesting one because he's listed on the Bath website as a fly half. There's plenty of depth, surprisingly, at fly half. So you think probably ahead of Harris, you've got Russell, Francis, Bailey and Warboys, who are all now senior Bath players. And so he would probably be fifth choice fly half. He's probably third choice um, fullback as well. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see how he gets mm. on. But he plays a lot of um, fullback for England under 20. So maybe that will be the role that he kind of carves out. But it's just interesting to see where where Bath have listed him. But really excited to see him in action if we do. And I think I'll also want to mention one man that we maybe forget sometimes on this podcast. It's good to go back to our roots at times. And big Matt McConaughey hasn't had his best showings in a bar shirt over recent seasons. But we've lost uh, Rocco Laguni um, and then last season Hamer Webb. 
And so, Anthony Watson. and Watson, of course. So in that kind of wing position, it's kind of Thokonasiga, McConaughey and Muir would be the top three. So that's going to be an exciting battle. Three guys who we've seen play fantastically in Bar shirts. And I would just be delighted for, for Rory if he could get back to, to some of that form, which saw mm. him crashing over for England in the 2019 World Cup. So a few names there, Bath fans too watch out for this season and I, I think you mentioned Alfie Barbro I think he's going to have a massive massive season with the England number eight situation the way that it is ball carrying that we miss at Bath and are frankly missing at England he feels like a new signing yeah and it should be one no that more, we're really uh, excited about no more Greg James introductions hopefully no <laughs> I was going to make one overall prediction and yeah I, I know you said that these are these are pointless and I'm so I'll, but I'll waste my words anyway I think we were 8th last season, we scraped into 8th last season, we have to go better this season, we definitely should go better this season in a 10-season league. It's hard to know exactly when, where we'll land, but I think looking at some of the fortunes, ins and outs of other players, of other teams around us, I'll put, put one thing out there. I think that we will finish the highest of all the West Country teams in the league, the four teams. And you know, we won't have done that for 10 years. The last time we'd done that would have been the 2014-2015 season where we finished second behind Northampton Saints. We've always we've been bettered by each of Gloucester, extra on a number of occasions, and Bristol, I think, on two or three occasions since they, well, maybe even more over that period. So for the first time in a decade, let's um let's 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 return to, to the top of the West Country. I think that, that should be a baseline aim. Yeah, that's a re- really good one. Why don't we go into the season as, as sick favourites with the bookies? And you've got to fancy Saracens and Sale to be pretty strong again. And then for that top four battle, I guess you're looking at it between Tigers, Quins, Chiefs, Bath and Saints. Mm-hmm. That's probably the next tier. Um, and so, yeah, there's a chance that we get fourth, which would be a huge, huge success. And it'll be tight again. It's, it's always tight. If you can get off right at the bottom of that, that table, it's always really, really tight. Mm. And, um, I, think we've got a, I think we've got a really good chance with uh, if we can keep players fit with the, the, the World Cup falling the way it has done, I think. There's definitely a chance, G. Definitely Exciting chance. times, Tom. God, when we look back at this, might we look a little bit silly come mm. the end of the season. But it's hope season for all clubs and it's hope season for Bath. Quick one on the, the kit. Castor, mm. you mentioned earlier. Why don't you why don't you give us your thoughts on on the the new strip? Yeah, so the new kit partners Castor was announced over the summer, replacing Macron, who have done it for the last couple of seasons, and, and since then they have released three kits. Their three um, kits: so a hooped home shirt, the yellow away shirt, and the red European shirt. Um. They look a little bit like football shirts. Yeah, I agree. The yellow kit looks a little bit like an AFC Wimbledon kit. And the red <laughs> the red kit, it doesn't look like a bath kit. And I think it's not helped by the fact that Castor, in any of their ranges, don't sell a cotton long-sleeved rugby shirt. And if I have any influence on anything that goes on at Bath, and it probably isn't anything to do with Bath at this point, to be honest with you, we just need to be selling these. Like that is the only one I'm going to buy. I can't fit, fit really. Yourself, I can't fit into the high performance kit that Chris Clerter is squeezing into and look 
even remotely sensible. So please, Bath, just stock a long-sleeved cotton shirt. And I will buy it, even if I don't really like it. You can't expect, you can't sell us black and white butcher at half-time and then expect us to get into high-performance kit. It just doesn't go together. It does not work. I'll tell you one thing, though, that I, I do like. I don't mind the the, the, the Lycra-style kit as much as, as you do. But I'll tell you one thing that I, <laughs> I've, I've, I've enjoyed, and that is the fact that they are selling from outset the shorts, the, the actual rugby shorts for all three kits. Usually you can only get the black and blue ones, and they weren't the proper match day shorts. They're selling proper match day shorts for the away and the European kit. It's a straight. It's a bit of a shame. That it's kind of a bit of a garish yellow and then red, and it's also more of a shame that they're selling them for sixty quid, which is pretty what? outrageous. Yeah, sixty quid for the shorts, and I think seventy for the shirt. Um, whereas usually they would be much lower. But anyway, I do. I would say that for them. But other than that, yeah, not a big fan. The kind of black stripes that they've got on the home kit looks strange. Um, and yeah, the the red shirt I could potentially warm no, to. We're not, we're not I could wearing potentially the red. warm to, but we're not um, wearing the red. But lost the playing red and yeah. playing blue. We own the king. We own kings. <laughs> yeah, I think a little bit frustrating with the kit release, but we've seen some cracking kits and some crap performances. So maybe that will turn around this season um let's have a little look ahead then tom to the premiership rugby cup as i say we'll do our next podcast after the london scottish game um so in the week of sort of the 26th of september for the next podcast at that point bath will have played three premiership cup games against cornish pirates jersey reds london scottish the latter of two being at home at the rec this period of the season basically, in my mind, is in the place of or will act as the pre-season mm-hmm. for Bath. And then it ramps up to the latter stages of the Premiership Rugby Cup. And this is the case for all clubs. So it's initially club, Championship v Premiership. And then it's Premiership, Premiership, Championship v Championship in the latter stages as we ramp up towards the Premiership. And Bath will play Northampton Saints and Exeter before going in the first game against Newcastle Falcons at home on the 14th of October. Tom, in these first three games, Pirates, Jersey, London, Scottish, what are you looking to see? It's strange because they are, they are. I think you're right, meant to be sort of pre-season games, but then I guess from if you're an academy player and you're... Um, you're involved in those games. You want to be progressing to the to the, the the latter stages without a Bath United season to to play in as well. So, I think we will see significant rotation. I don't expect them to field two fifteens like often they do for the two halves of a of a warm up game. Um, but I don't want to see us going full guns and getting lots of minutes in the legs of our our top players, given the number of of, of full games we we have. So. Yeah, rotation, um, start to try and build in combinations of, of players that, that, that work well together. And then in the build-up to um, Newcastle on the 14th, we have that those two games over that weekend. So Edinburgh away, which is a, a friendly, and then the Exeter Chiefs Premiership Rugby Cup. So perhaps we field a full academy side for that. And then we field what's much closer to a, a first team in that game against um, against Chiefs and then build to Newcastle that way. I think it needs to be 
a slow build. They've already had a relatively long preseason, I think, of seven or eight weeks <laughs> in total. Yeah, so it, it we, we need to be very conscious of the amount that these players are doing. But um, yeah, no injuries as well will, will be massive yeah, for, for this period with with the, the maybe lack of depth in in certain areas that. That will be key, and and yeah, some some building, slow building towards the lift off against Newcastle at home. Newcastle at home, where you'll be able to get a black and white butchers burger. The bath rugby plug brought to you by Black and White Butchers. Tom, anything else you wanted to cover? Season six has begun. No Yoan Bangran this time to kick it off. Just me and you, but really enjoyed getting back around the microphones and recording another episode ahead of another season of the Bath Rugby Plug. Let's do it. Thank you for listening, listeners, and rejoining us here. Please do spread the word, and thanks for your continued support. We're hoping this season to have continue our relationship with the club, bring more interviews and more exclusives from that. We're also building on our relationship with Tom Dunn, so watch this space there. Tom's going to hopefully get his acting gear and get in touch with Danny and sort something out. And we've got a few new ideas of how we can continue to grow and engage with you, the listener. So please do subscribe, watch this space and spread the word amongst your friends. Thank you for listening and stick behind the boys through thick. <laughs>